I'm Elizabeth Esty for the Emergency Medical Minute. Today is March 26th and we'll be bringing you an interview with a Denver area emergency physician who fell ill with COVID-19 12 days ago. He's finally feeling better and I think his reflections on his job, his illness, recovery, quarantine, and what it's like to live in a household where everyone has COVID will be of real interest to our listeners. Hi there. So how are you feeling? So I'm I'm doing better, a little bit better the last couple of days. Finally feeling improved. Uh, I think today would be considered day 12 of my illness, and it's a it's a day when I when I feel like I could finally get back to work. Uh, I'm not doing that yet. I'm not scheduled to work for a few more days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is uh, the first day I felt like a normal person again. First day in 12 days. That's right. And how how did it go down? What were your what did you first notice? Sure. I mean, I should say, you know, all of us who work in the emergency department have an awareness that we're on the front line. And we just just by way of perspective, we are an unbelievably uh healthy family. Blessed to be so. Uh I would say that between residency and working where I do currently, uh, in two decades of practicing emergency medicine, I've never once missed a shift for illness. Um, so, so that's our perspective. So going into this, I remember several weeks ago, my wife saying, so you're going to get Corona, you're going to get COVID. And, uh, I said, yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I will, I'll, I'll be exposed. I'm sure that I'll get sick. Uh, at the time, I was hopeful, um, based on you know reports that I'd heard and read, that for some people it uh, was simply like a you know flu-like illness or like a bad cold. Maybe you felt unwell for a few days, and that was about it. Um, probably uh, based on my past experience, I thought, well, surely that will be the worst for me if I get anything at all. I'll uh, you know feel a little congested. A little mm-hmm. run down for a few days, and that's about it. But um, I will say that was not my experience at all. Uh, it started with just the very slightest of cough, and I and I thought to myself, well, this may be it, um, or at the very least, you know, certainly I'm going to need to isolate myself and think carefully whether I can work or not. Uh, that happened to be uh, going into a scheduled spring break for our family, um, so that I knew. I knew that I was going to be off for at least a week and uh, thought, well, this will be a time to recuperate. We had, again, probably overly optimistically seen the turmoil in the world, including airline prices, and jumped on some great bargains. So we had had optimistically made some plans to go to uh, Cancun for spring break. Mm-hmm. And uh, r- that would have been a, on a Monday evening. I became sick on a Sunday and really uh, pulled the plug on travel just uh, 24 hours before our planned trip. So Sunday evening, we canceled our Monday evening uh, flight to Cancun. Uh, in retrospect, that was most certainly the right decision. And, you know, I could have become famous for the foolish ER doctor who carried coronavirus down to Cancun. Yeah. So you canceled, did you cancel based on a slight cough or at that point were you feeling something more? Yeah, by Sunday evening, uh, I was starting to have uh, a lot of myalgias and chills within that first 24 hours. And and those were the predominant symptoms for the first few days, I would say. 
lots of headache, uh, lots of myalgias, chills. Interestingly, never had uh, a documented fever. I, I checked myself a couple of times, but not regularly, certainly not checking on a, on a twice-a-day um, basis. And uh, based on that, I decided to cancel our, our uh, mm-hmm. travel plans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the I mean, the the fatigue and the muscle aches were almost like nothing I've experienced in the past. You know, there was one day in particular that I think I took uh, seven separate naps, and that was on top of having slept nine-plus hours the night before. So a lot of fatigue. And I, and I did have little times, especially in the first days, where I where I felt well for a while. In fact, I went out and accomplished a lot of yard work maybe for an hour, and then I'd have to you know, come back and sleep for two hours to recuperate from that. So how many hours a day were you sleeping or in bed? I mean, some of it was just choosing to be in bed with my, you know, laptop or a book or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I would say uh, sleeping hours on my worst days were probably 13 plus hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And was that that real sleep or was that tossing and turning like a malaria patient in a, in a, 1960s movie no you know for me it was profound deep sleep with strange dreams which Mm -hmm. i should have written down but but did not so can't Uh really tell you what those were covid dreams yeah exactly and you have a spouse and children were you isolating yourself from them or were you guys resigned to everyone getting sick you know, in the beginning, before I ever got sick, and even in the early days, I think m- my wife's attitude, a little bit like mine, having a very healthy background and perspective was, you know, bring it on. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. just get this early <laughs> and get uh-huh. it over with. Having said that, I, you know, I did self-isolate. I, I mean, I had been taking extra precautions uh, at work for the last few weeks, you know, coming home and showering right away or, you know, immediately getting rid of my clothes or doing other things that would protect my family, mm-hmm. but not overly worried. And then in those first few days when I got sick, I did self-isolate. You know, my wife immediately switched to another bedroom and uh, we were pretty cautious about meals and just me staying away from from the family in general. Uh, once my wife became ill as well, we just figured the entire family had been exposed and we might as well live life uh, as normal, being together as we normally would. Yeah. And what day of your illness did she start to feel sick? Uh, It was about two days after I did. And then the kids followed by about a day or two, but their symptoms have really been quite mild compared to the two of us. Mm -hmm. And for her, would you say the worst illness you've had in your life or? Um, Yeah. I would say yeah. so. I I know that I can I can I know that I can say that for myself. Definitely mm-hmm. the worst illness that I have ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knowing her health history, I would probably say the same. You know, she's had some other more routine things that I haven't experienced, like having her appendix out in childhood and things like that. But mm-hmm. in general, has been a very healthy person. So probably her worst lifetime illness as well. Mm-hmm. Was there any point in these twelve days where you felt so short of so short of breath at all. I guess I haven't asked you. You had cough, myalgia, uh, just incredible fatigue. Did you feel short of breath? 
You know, I haven't uh, this entire time. My cough has been relatively sparse, and I have not felt this, Nick. Now, I'm a runner, and I haven't gone running for almost two weeks now, so I haven't stretched my physiology uh, just yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I know that dyspnea has been a pretty prominent symptom for my wife, Heather. Uh, She has complained of that for several days in a row. Uh, you know, as I observe her lying in bed, uh, I, I can see at times that she's tachypnic and, and just doesn't feel well. We don't have a home pulse oximeter, so I have not checked to see what her O2 stats are. I did get out my stethoscope and listen to her a few times, and she seemed to sound okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've just assumed that that's going to recover with time. Yeah, and she's two days behind you, I believe you said. That's right, and I would yeah. say even now, you know, again, today I feel almost normal, and um, she's still very wiped out, lying around, napping a lot. Yeah. I'm so sorry. What a what an ordeal. And the kids are fine, more or less fine. Yeah, the kids are pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Our two youngest at home, who are uh, currently 16 and 13, had maybe two days of just being a little extra sleepy and a little mm-hmm. bit of headache, uh, just, you know. Uh, I think they would describe it as like having a cold. And then our uh, older son at home uh, is 18. He lagged their symptoms by a couple of days, and uh, his symptoms are similar, but rather than two days, maybe lingering for three or four days. Now, interestingly, we had a son who was doing missionary work in Thailand and just spent an entire month indoors in quarantine and was finally sent home to avoid the coronavirus only to, <laughs> only to come to our household and uh, definitely get exposed. Oh, that's excellent. So th- so you're all home. You, We're all home now. You're all sick. And in a few days, you'll all be well. Um, that's right. And, and yeah. we'll, feel, we'll feel indestructible and ready to go help others. Yeah. And that is a, that is a thought I've had is, you know, you are early adopters and sort of have a bit of a superpower now. I mean, I don't think we know yet what the immunity, the, you know, how long the immunity to this virus lasts, but you've got certainly a few months, maybe more like years of immunity, which does give you sort of a special, you know, a special power. How are, how are you feeling about going back to work with that? You know, those antibodies in you. Right, right. I've joked with uh, I've joked with several people that my serum will be available for purchase later on. (laughs) You know, I I feel good. Certainly, I I will continue to be careful and continue to um, follow all of the PPE precautions uh, that we are at work. And but now, you know, with the feeling being that. Uh, it's a little bit less about my own personal protection and almost entirely now about patient protection and, and spreading between patient contacts that I might have. So I will say, again, while while the science is early and we don't know exactly what kind of immunity this might confer, I move forward with some degree of confidence, whether it's going to the grocery store or just being in the work environment, that I'm going to be okay, even, yeah. even if I'm around someone who's sick. So that's yeah. a really nice feeling. Yeah. I don't remember I read in the last few days some article or someone proposing that people who are immune should have a special colored wristband or some identifying marker and you would be the first around here I assume. Yeah. To go to go out maybe a tattoo or some sort of <laughs> special haircut, a special haircut <laughs> right. for you. Right. Um a, a couple offbeat questions for you. When you were sick as 
some of the first Coloradans, you know, to have tested positive. Did you feel any need to hide your illness or disclose, you know, not disclose to your friends, families, neighbors? Did you have any sense of COVID stigma or wanting to keep this private? You know, I did not. I will. I will say there are just a few individuals in our lives that we were a little hesitant to uh, let them know for fear that they would worry excessively. Which, mm-hmm. which included my my own mother, of course. Uh, that's mm-hmm. you know, that's what mothers are best at is worrying about you. And and I have been very open with my family, and they've been very supportive from afar. And just mm-hmm. today, I got an Amazon shipment of Gatorade from uh, my sister. Which is perhaps too little, too late, but I can use it when I get back to running. For sure. Uh, For sure. There are some other people in our lives who are just, you know, they're they're worriers. We we all know people like that. And uh, if I'd been around them within the last couple of weeks, I know that would be a cause of of concern for them. Uh, so, you know, we weren't necessarily trumpeting the news to those individuals. But no, we we felt free to share. One frustrating aspect, of course, was that the test took about five days to come back. Now, I should be grateful simply that I had easy access to a test as a healthcare yeah. worker because I know yeah. a lot of people have been frustrated. For me, it was a really simple process once I uh, let our group know that, that uh, I was sick. They arranged with employee health, and I just had to drive up to the hospital. Someone swooped out in a gown and gave me an incredibly painful nasal swab, and uh, that was it. So that so the testing was very easy, and I was I was lucky in that regard. But I also knew during those five days that for our non-medical friends, it was like their response to my illness was hinging upon a positive or negative test, whereas I knew based on what I was experiencing personally that it had to be COVID. Yeah. I mean, I just never experienced anything like that, and with the whole family becoming ill, I just I just knew it couldn't be anything else. Yeah. Uh, but but that is an interesting aspect. I mean, we know the test is not perfect. I think sensitivity best numbers are somewhere in the 65 to 70 percent sensitive range. So that was kind of a weird waiting period where I was really sick, but half the people in my life finally believed it five days in when I got the test. <laughs> uh-huh. Then the real sympathy came. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just I'm just curious about the psychology of experiencing an illness like this, just knowing that this is a virus that's new to the planet. Were there moments of worry that were atypical for you or anything about your thinking about this virus that was different? Um, you know, again, having always been healthy, I was probably overconfident that I was going to be fine ultimately in the end. I mean, I, I never worried uh, long-term for my health or safety, nor for the health and safety of my family. I, I always assumed that we were going to get through this without complication. Having said that, it did at some point, you know, finally wear through my patience and endurance. I mean, when you're initially sick, you know, you feel lousy and, and you think this too shall pass. But when you're nine, 10 days into it not passing and you feel just as bad or worse than you did on day one, it it is mentally taxing for sure. Mm-hmm. I was just so ready to be done. So I'm grateful to have uh, finally turned the corner. Yeah. Well, we're grateful and so glad that you're feeling better. Do you have any um, yard work seems to be one of the things you did <laughs> or any advice for people suffering those 10 days on just things that made it easier for you or? You know, I'm not a person who takes medication very often. I don't take any prescription medications. I would say in my normal life, there might be 
literally twice a year that I would take an ibuprofen after turning an ankle on a trail run or something like mm-hmm. that. So when you don't take meds like that and then you start to sample Tylenol and ibuprofen, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, the, the the difference that and, – and I was doing relatively low doses, you know, 350 of Tylenol, uh, 400 of ibuprofen, mm-hmm. and uh, it was amazing. For a period of a few hours, it would it would have me feeling almost normal. Um, so 20 years into your career as a physician, you discovered that Tylenol and, and said they're effective. Yeah, well, I always knew, and I recommend them to patients, certainly, but I just don't have a lot of need for them personally in my life. Right. But they, they have been the wonder drugs in this uh, last little while for me. Yeah, well, good, good. And, that, you know, one thing I guess we didn't touch on was fever. That might be interesting for some people. You know, early on, I know even our screening protocols at the hospital were there's got to be fever. And, and in fact, my first symptoms were without fever, and the initial recommendation for me was not to get tested. And I would say I did not have any fever until about day six. Wow. And, and then I had recurrent febrile fever, you know, several days in a row. And that was around, you know, I think the highest, but it's a temporal thermometer. So I don't always believe the numbers. There was one that was up to 103 something, but I think generally I was in 101 to 102 range. But, but yeah, many days with just really mostly mild headaches and fatigue and no documented fever. So uh, again, I know early in this process, we weren't even really screening people unless they had fever. And uh, my experience was that I I just didn't have it early on. Yeah. I have to ask you, because we did a podcast yesterday on anosmia and COVID. Did you lose your sense of smell? I don't think so. I guess I should go test some things. My um, exceptionally poor sense of smell could hardly get any worse. Uh, (laughs) So nothing nothing that I've noticed, but I I haven't been around anything pungent, and I, I don't have a very good nose as it is. Yeah. Well, I hope your Cancun tickets were on Southwest or that you can... No, yeah, the, the airlines have been great. I think they're up against the ropes and they're doing whatever they can from a customer service standpoint. So, yeah, we were able to cancel and we'll we'll enjoy a nice vacation sometime later. Good, good, good. Well, listen, anything I haven't asked that you think is important or you'd want to share or any thought, any parting thoughts at all? You know, I did have one thought over the last few days, just, you know, kind of pertinent to emergency medicine providers. It's interesting. I think any of us who've been in medicine for a while, you know, there are aspects of it that become routine or that become a job or, you know, that you potentially become a little bit jaded. And I think that's, you know, you see that in emergency medicine, you see that in other fields as well. And sometimes you have to step back and remind yourself what a privilege it is to participate in life and death and birth and telling people that they have cancer and pulling little Barbie shoes out of kids' noses. I mean, you just have to stop and say, I get to do incredible things. And um, having been quarantined, I feel that loss, especially during this time of pandemic where there's so much worry and emergency medicine providers are really perceived as being on the front line. You know, I feel at a loss to not be participating in that in in these days while I'm quarantined. So while lots of us would like to stay away from the hospital right now, uh, ironically, I'm looking forward to getting back and just being on the front lines and and helping people out, especially knowing that uh, I am now 
uh, hopefully not a danger of uh, getting coronavirus again. Yeah, well, wonderful. I wonder if removing Barbie shoes is an aerosolizing procedure, though. You may not, <laughs> I you may not have your wish there. I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait for a couple of weeks until this is over, and then we'll get that Barbie shoe out. Yes. A lot of people just live with the Barbie shoe. They go back. Go back to school with the shoe in. Right. Well, listen, thank you so much. I very, very much appreciate it. And we may be reaching back out to you, just bring you back on the front lines. If you're up for some quick updates from the ED, I'm sure that the EMM would love to put them out there. Sounds perfect. Thanks so much, Jared. 